0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Podcast. Um, and I just felt—I felt compelled to talk about a couple things. Today. And uh, I think I'm going to start doing this a little bit more. Uh, obviously, still trying to get on here with some friends and, and bullshit and chop it up. Love doing that with them. Um, but there's been plenty of times where I've—I've I've felt compelled. I've felt moved to, to talk about certain things solo and to be very honest, I think it's just been like fear, like of just, uh, I don't know. That sounds a little weird. I, you know, I don't have a massive, massive audience, but, uh, just fear of doing it alone and, and wondering, all right, will anyone take value from it? And I think I'm just starting to get to the point where I, I don't really give a shit anymore. Um, you know, if, if people don't agree, people don't like it, that's okay. Just keep it moving. But um, I I wanted to talk about something that's kind of been on my mind a lot lately. And that is, you know, the media, sports media in general. Um, I think more specifically, in my case, the NBA media. um, And I actually think the NBA media is a lot worse than than most people um, or than than most other sports. Um, and, And look, every sport has their downfalls, but, uh, the NBA media, the state of the NBA media. Um, and I'm not as much talking about, you know, the, the beat writers, those guys work hard and, and really everyone in the industry works hard. Um, but I'm, I'm more talking about ESPN, the larger networks, the personalities, um, because it's just, it's, it's sad. Uh, and we're so used to it. We're so numb to it that I feel like no one ever talks about it. And I think partly why is because the people with the largest platforms are the ones doing it. So, you know, no one's, no one's going to call them out. They're also bringing in a lot of money. Um, but there's no way around it. The, the the NBA media, ESPN, all that is sad. It's It's truly sad. Where now you turn on ESPN, and I've realized this for a while, right? This isn't just a new realization. But you turn on ESPN, and if you watch even 10 minutes of it, and you're a real fan of of the sport, NBA, you just walk away frustrated. You're like, what is this garbage? And we know why. We know why, right? But it's sad when you really think about. Okay, what the what the media here, what the media's job is nowadays is to start shit, to say stupid, really dumb things, to garner reactions, and it's rinse and repeat. It's a new headline every day. It's dumb things every day. We're we're at the point where Skip Bayless, right? Skip Bayless makes a ton of money. He's made, got 301 million, 3.1 million followers. In a game after the Lakers beat the Jazz, a big game, AD goes down. This is a real tweet. This is a legit, a real tweet. Yep. LeBron once again runs from the late game free throw line. Russ winds up with the ball and makes two clinching free throws incredible Westbrook saves Lebrick like are you serious we have people out here their job is to say consistently stupid things about arguably the best player of all time I mean we don't need to get into that It's Braun or MJ though in my eyes Worst case too We have a guy just sitting here Talking Saying whatever he can Every night To garner a reaction And that is all it really is anymore Anytime you go on ESPN It's some stupid headline. And the sad part to me is we fall for it. We fall for it. I see it now. It's to the point where I I used to watch all these shows on ESPN. Right? I don't I don't watch them anymore. I'm over it. I don't watch I don't watch the halftime shows of things. I don't watch the pregame shows. I don't do any of that anymore. I can't support it. But I'll have friends text me right in the group chat or my league Discord or, oh my gosh, this man just said the stupidest thing. And it's just like. It fucking works It's the saddest part of all this That we legitimately The biggest The biggest media conglomerate Covering the NBA Doesn't actually provide analysis There's never real analysis going on Not just Not just of the Free agent moves or trades But of the actual game. You turn it on, there's rarely real analysis going on. And we eat it up. We eat it up. Instead of saying, okay, that's so fucking stupid. I'm not even going to interact with this. I'm not even going to entertain this. It turns to, oh my God, did you see what this guy said? He's such an idiot. Um, And you saw Perkis chilled out a little bit. But he was going ham there for a while. And you know why? Because that is what gets clicks. That is what... Perk had to be a dumbass for about a year and a half, two years. Gained a platform. And now he's chilled out a little bit. He'll mix in some stupid stuff here and there. And again, ESPN has some good guys. I like Zach Lowe. Right? But even he, that man's behind a paywall. You know? uh, Kendrick Perkins actually isn't that bad. Honestly. For the most part. Now. Um... But it's just, it's just, you have to have a hot take. You have to say something ridiculous. You you can't just, you, you can't just state, you know, normal things, normal reactions anymore. And it's for me, for someone, I can't lie, right? I have this podcast and I can hide behind here and say, oh, you know, I just do this for fun and and all that. And I do, I do do this for fun. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't genuinely enjoy it, but I'd also be lying if I didn't say, I want to have a job in the future where I talk about basketball. I wanna have a job where I break down the game in some sort of capacity and get paid money for it. That is that is the dream. That is the dream. And when you see the state of the media and what people, what the most successful people are doing, it it just is exhausting for me mentally. It it really is. And I just wish we would all take a step back sometimes. And, and I just don't know where this, like, they're huge, right? They're huge. And I'm not saying we have to start a war and start boycotting ESPN. I, you know, I just, I just don't. Uh, I struggle to figure out why everything, almost everything now, is just garbage. And then you sit here, right? You sit here. And regardless of whether you agree with Kyrie Irving or not, right? Like, look, I get it. There's been <laughs> to the normal person in society not getting vaxxed doesn't make sense. It doesn't, right? We have doctors, and I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. It's all it all loop back in. Um, to, to, to the normal thinking person. The vaccine is a good thing It's been proven it helps slow The spread It helps you uh, If you actually get it It helps weaken the actual symptoms Right I get all that But I also I'm a big proponent of You know everyone is their own person And I've never Understood it. it actually makes me Upset tires me out When people sit here and tell people what other people should do with their lives. Like, obviously, obviously, I'm not gonna sit here and and you know my best friend tells me, "Hey, bro, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do crack every day the rest of my life." I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Okay, cool," but it is never really my place to tell another person what they should do with their whole ass life. It is their life, right? And, and all right, we're getting a little carried away, but. I think the point here is for me, you know, guys like Kevin Durant, guys like Kyrie Irving, even guys like James Harden, I think they get some shit for the way they deal with the media, how they're not the nicest, all this shit, but it's just like I I literally don't I I can't blame them. You literally have people in their lives who are their job is to start shit. If everything's going smoothly and perfectly, and everything's cool, and there's no drama, they don't get to eat. I mean, they probably still do get to eat, but you know what I mean? They get paid off of drama. They get paid off of clicks. And maybe this is just the way the world works now, and I gotta get over it and get used to it. But I don't I, I don't get mad at all for these guys for not putting up with these, the media shit. They know that the media is literally there to start problems, to start drama, when a lot of times it doesn't even exist. Or a lot of times there's healthy conflict and the media will try and spin it. So I have no issue. I get it. It's part of the job talking to the media. You don't want to just sit there and be a dick to them every day. That doesn't help anyone either. But I also think that with the state of where the media is, where it is literally, I mean, one of these days just sit down and, and listen to some of these shows it is pure garbage. You have to dig through the depths of Twitter to find people actually providing. There are people on Twitter with 20K followers, 15K followers on Twitter, providing really good analysis of the game, really good breakdowns, thoughtful, thoughtful shit. And then you have Skip on Twitter tweeting, Lebrick hates free throws. Russell had to save it, it and it's and it's blown up. It just doesn't make sense to me, man. And I'm stuck here like I I it's I'm never going to go up there or use my again, limited platform, but I'm never going to use this platform to just say blatantly stupid false shit so that people will listen more or to, it's just so backwards in my minds. And it's, it's frustrating. I don't, I don't really, I understand it to an extent. Right. But it's, to me, it's just sad. It's just sad that you'll consistently, I'll get a text soon. Oh, did you see what so-and-so said on first take? Did you see what so-and-so said on high noon? I, I don't know whatever the shows are anymore. And it's like, no, I didn't. And I, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't give a shit. I don't. It's just frustrating, man. It's frustrating. And uh, I kind of just, I wanted to get some thoughts out on that and and just talk because it's, it's, we're just so accepting of it now. And, And don't get me wrong, there are good beat writers, there are good reporters doing good, honest, hard work. But there are so many guys making so much money, literally just starting shit. And saying ridiculous things And it's just so old I I don't get it I, I wish Would it be that hard To get people on these platforms Who love the game And love talking about the game And analyzing the game And you can get charismatic people Who do both Who are charismatic people Boisterous people Who can say things in interesting ways But that are also speaking facts That are also And this is where it goes back to the other sports. Like, again, MLB, NFL, they all have their issues. But you don't have anyone in the NFL media saying, oh, Aaron Donald's overrated. Aaron Donald actually sucks. Like, you know, he's actually not that good. You don't have people saying, oh, Mike Trout's actually ass. Like, if you think about it, he's actually ass. You have detractors of every major star. Now, again, a lot of it is just you know, pure stupidity, and you just chalk it up to that right away. But there are people out here campaigning on Twitter every day. Steph Curry's overrated. There's people campaigning on Twitter every day. LeBron James sucks. He's overrated. He's not that good. MJ's way better. You people talking James Harden, uh, just uh, an unbelievable talent who, yes, might have his issues. But they're talking crazy about him. Posting, oh, losing follows this man wherever it goes. And it's just tiring as shit, bro. It's tiring as shit for me mentally as someone who actually really loves the game. Who gets really excited to to see these storylines and see the teams being built. And seeing, you know, shit like that. You don't have people in the MLB and NBA doing, or NFL. And I don't know... I don't know why it is You go on Twitter And again It's Twitter Whatever Any major Like players Tweeting anything Probably usually Not even about the game And the first thing up there Is like ratio Or some stupid ass shit And it's just like Why How did we get here? How the fuck Did we actually get here? And I don't Blame NBA players for disliking the media I just don't Yeah, I can't blame them it's, I know it's different But if someone came into your life And was legitimately Their number one goal In your life Was to start shit To start drama To turn people against each other To create and fabricate storylines Would you like them? Would you be courteous and polite and thoughtful with them? No, you're gonna match the energy. You're gonna match their energy. So I don't blame it. I don't. I don't blame these players. Um, and it's just kind of the state we're in. I am. I, for me, I, I guess my mindset is again just, you know, and, and that's why you see. That's another thing, man. Like sometimes I'm just quiet on Twitter. Big shit happens, and I, I don't even want to like talk about it because everything is so just reaction and that's part of it right reactionary stuff is fun especially when the people reacting actually genuinely feel that way you can lead it can lead to some good stuff but again these big trades come and then you, people are speaking in absolutes oh this trade will never work out it's like there's no ever middle ground with anything and I guess that's le- I guess that's a little less boring but Ultimately, guys, I'm just here to rant a little bit on the NBA media and to me how truly toxic and stupid it's become and how on top of this, you know, and I feel like in a lot of other area maybe we just don't view it as real life because maybe it's not. But it's like in any other area of our life, if some some people were on some dumb shit like that, we'd tell them you're on some dumb shit. Yet all the people on their dumb shit are making millions of dollars being on their shit and it just confuses the fuck out of me man confuses me anyways uh we're gonna take a quick break and then uh i, I want to just um just take a step back and and i th- i think talk about uh, a couple of the the big contenders and um where i'm seeing you know some of these teams finish because again probably as wide open as it's been in a while um I know we said that last year, but, I mean, we got a Bucks suns finals last year. That was a completely different matchup than we've seen. So I um, just want to talk about some of these top contenders um, and how I see them matching up, just work our way through it. But appreciate you sitting here and, and listening to me rant. All right, so let's get to the actual basketball side of things. Um, All-Star break coming up, and I love it for a couple reasons. Uh, first being just practically – makes a lot of sense you know these guys have been grinding traveling nonstop for three months playing basketball games grueling basketball games every other night this is a topic for another day and i personally don't hope it doesn't change for selfish reasons but 82 games is so much like you look at football obviously basketball is in between football and baseball in terms of toll on your body um and baseball, I feel like it makes more sense because they're closer. So you need more data. Uh, but but regardless, you know, they, they don't need 82 games to decide the playoffs. But regardless, they've been grinding. Give them some time off. I get it. But I also think it's cool to just step back as a basketball fan, assess, you know, we got the 200 best hoopers in the world and really get to break it down, talk about these teams Assess what we like in teams, what we think makes a championship level team um, because this is what ultimately what it's all about right like I love the team building aspect of it uh, but but why you are building teams is to win basketball games and win a championship so this is quite honestly you know I like the drama, all that stuff I like to bet it, but I think the best part of it is the true competitive aspect of the top of the top in the world competing at the game you love. So I'm going to just run through as many as many of the contenders as I can and we'll give the most, you know, time to the teams I feel like are the best um, and have the best saw, shot. I'm just going to start out with my Golden State Warriors. I know what you're going to say. For those of you that don't know, big Warriors fan. Um, and I know what you guys are going to say, like, oh, how can you think – that? First off, I'll say it's up there with the Suns and the Bucks, right? I'm not I'm not sitting here saying the Warriors are by far the favorite. They're, you know, no one can touch them. I'm not going to say that just for the sake of getting a reaction. But I, I will say I wholeheartedly believe they are in the mix. Um, and there's not really a ton of difference between the Bucks, Suns, and Warriors in my, in my eyes. Um, and those are the three clear favorites in my eyes. We'll get to the rest of it later, but we'll start with the Warriors. And I think for me... There's a couple reasons why I have them there. Um, one, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala have never let me down. They really, they really just haven't. They they really just haven't. I've been so blessed. You have the beginning years, right, where Steph, Clay, and Dre were grinding it, and you see similarities. Like when I when I go through the Grizzlies or the Mavs or the Nuggets, I think those three are the t- three that come to mind of us when we first started, right? People forget, but we lost to the Clippers in seven in the first round. Um, we beat the Nuggets in the first round, and then we lost to the Spurs in the second round. Um, so, so we had some battles before we got there. But in terms of back, back to what I was saying, Steph, Clay, Dre, and Andre Iguodala have never, ever let us down. The first year, they beat the Cavs. The second year, they lose to the Cavs. But I really think, um, you know, if Draymond doesn't get suspended, and we don't need to get all into that, um, I think we win. You're up 3-1. Regardless, you get to the finals. If you get into the finals, that means you've hit countless big playoff shots, right? That is my point there. Then you, you win two with KD. Um, and then you lose one because he gets hurt. And people forget, too. Um, that team, like Alfonso McKinney was getting 20-plus minutes. Jordan Bell was getting 20-plus minutes. Quinn Cook was getting 20-plus minutes. DeMarcus Cousins with half of a quad was playing a decent amount of minutes. You know, like it really was Steph, Clay, Dre, Iggy, KD. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them, but no one. But my point here is it's an overarching point. One, they've never let us down. They haven't. And two, they have so much experience. Like I'm going through it. I don't know that there's a team out there, unless I'm just missing it, that has the depth of experience when it matters other than the Warriors. You could say maybe the Lakers, but obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but to me it is. I'm not worried about them, especially with the AD thing which is tough. Um, You know, that's sad. I I honestly wish it didn't happen. But with that, I I don't view them as real threats um, right now at this point in time. But back to back to what I was saying, there's no one that has the experience we do. We have years and years upon years of them doing this. And, And I'm a firm believer in that playoff basketball is completely different than regular season basketball. And I, we talk about, you know, guys taking time off, right. But that's, that's, that's part of it too. It's such a grind of a season that you can't play that locked in the way you do in the playoffs for 82 games. So it's a, it's a different game in my eyes. It's, Everyone has the set scouted. you're paying attention to every little thing, and on top of that, if there's what in the regular season, if there's a weakness, all right, sometimes they'll go at it. But in the playoffs, if you have any sort of weak link on defense or even offensively, it's they're going at it. The other team is going at it relentlessly in either on either end um and I just it's it's just completely wildly different you know so for me there's no other team that's done and accomplished what all and it's not one guy right like the Suns have okay also you could maybe point to the Bucks they've been there a little bit but they've won championship appearance right this core group has five Clay, Steph, and Dre have five each Iguodala has four or five I think he was there yeah Iguodala has five Right. Like no one has that. And you can call me biased, Call me whatever you want. That matters to me. That absolutely matters to me. That experience down the stretch, winning games in the fire, down 10 in a game seven to the Thunder on the road in the fourth down in game seven in Houston. I can point to just so many performances where they come through. So, to me, that's huge. And then on top of that, we've we've beaten all these teams in the regular season. And again, regular season game, I get it. You're only going to go so far um, in terms of, you know, uh, amount of effort. You're not going to go play Chris Paul 42 minutes in a regular season game. I get that. But we beat the Suns on the road on Christmas Day. That's a game you get up for. Without Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, we also beat them at home. We beat the Grizzlies at home. Uh, We beat the Bulls twice at home and on the road. We beat the Heat at home. We beat the Cavs in Cleveland and at home. Um, And I think the one team you point to is the Bucks because we played them once. Um, And we got absolutely smacked. But that was without Draymond. So... The last thing, and the thing that I'll address is because I know, I know what you guys are saying. Um, Clay's not going to be the same. And Draymond Green has a broken back. Look, I'll say it right away. If, if Draymond has a broken back for the playoffs, we're done. But I'm operating under the assumption that he can get back in time. He's been out. He's missed 20 straight games. Right? Like the playoffs are in twenty-nine games, I think, or twenty-eight games, something like that. Uh we've played fifty-two plus fifty-nine games, one to sixty, uh twenty one, twenty-three more games for the Warriors. My bad. He's already missed twenty. So if he misses another twenty, that's forty-three games. That's half the season. That's a lot of time. And I don't even think he's gonna miss that amount of time. So with Draymond's back, obviously the place of the injury is of concern it's his back but he's had the requisite amount of time right and all you hope is he can get a couple games under his belt before the big dance goes um but for me i i have no choice i'm not there's no point in worrying about it right now if he if playoffs come he's not ready all right the second thing is clay again for me What I've noticed, and and again, it's going to take a little while for him to get back shooting-wise, rhythm-wise. We know this. You haven't played professionally in two years. But what I think is underrated in all of this is, you know, the older and older you get, you realize how important the mind is in this sport, right? All the physical tools are great. The mind is what makes it all go. LeBron James is insanely athletic, but if he didn't have his basketball mind, he wouldn't be the second best or first best player in the world, right? Right? He's there because he combines his amazing physical tools with an unbelievable basketball mind, um, uh, especially just in terms of how he reads the floor, right? And so I think that's the, the most underrated part of all of this with Clay is he's had two years to sit, watch the games, um, and, and, and it's not just like conjecture at this point. I've seen it now, right? He's averaging more assists than he's ever had in the lowest amount of minutes he's ever played. Um, he. I just think he sees the game a lot better. Um, and you can tell with a lot of these moves, he's incorporating the almost the Kobe like footwork. There's been a wave of these dudes. It, it's crazy, right? Because before it was really just Kobe. In terms of the footwork, back to the basket, face up type of game, where now you have guys like Book doing it, Damar doing it, Joel doing it tatum doing it it wasn't always like this and you just you see the kobe influence it's crazy i don't think it gets talked about enough um there weren't guys playing with this sort of face-up game with this many counters using your shoulders using your feet before kobe came in um and that's a little sidetracked but you're seeing clays incorporating some of this and it's what's um, great about these moves and what made kobe great with them is the defense can do whatever they want. They can literally almost guard it perfectly. But if you execute footwork-wise, there's almost, and you're, you, you shoot it high, there's almost no way the defense can get to it, even if they know it's coming. Every other move, if you know it's or oh, they're going to in and out here. Boom. You're good. In and out. Boom. You know it's coming. You're good. Whatever it is, has it, has it, it's coming. Okay, you sit on it. You can know what's happening with the catch, face-up, shimmy to the right, fade-away. You see it from DeMar, Tatum, all these guys. It doesn't matter. Regardless, all I'm here to say is Clay's mind has advanced. He's seen the floor better. He's more patient. And even though he hasn't hit some of these shots, you can see him getting to there more and more consistently. And that's just another shot that's really hard to stop. So, for me, in my mind, I know I went on a long time on my Warriors, but they're my Warriors and I, I feel like I really have to talk about why I like them. This isn't just a – so this isn't just like a I'm going to back them and say them no matter what. Um, am I a little concerned about Dre? Sure. He's had plenty of time. Am I a little bit concerned about uh, – no, I'm honestly not concerned about Clay. And I think, you know, we we started off unbelievably. We've faltered a little bit lately. But uh, there was a time we were one in the in the West – and now, because and looking like a clear favorite, and now because Dre's missed some time, it's like changing people's perspective, which I get. Like you're entitled to that. I'm just, I'm not too worried. These guys have never let me down. Um, and I think the experience is is more important than people realize. Um, let's get to the next team. The th- the team I think that challenges um Let's just keep it in the West. Um, in the Phoenix Suns. Um. You know, I say all that about the Warriors. I don't I'm not trying to downplay the Suns at all. I think what they're doing is is really, really impressive. Um and we'll talk it more talk about it more with some of these other teams, but I'm another believer in the regular season matters to an extent in terms of the habits you form, um, who you are consistently throughout the year. Now I'm not saying uh that you can't win the title if you have a bad stretch right uh, 82 games is I've talked about it a lot 82 games is so long um you're gonna go through some stretches even the Suns the Suns have gone through like kind of they're not as bad as some other team stretches but they've lost two out of four maybe even three out of five at some point this year um but I, I'm, I'm really all that to say I'm a believer in you need to build habits in the regular season. It's really hard to kind of bullshit your way through the majority of the year and then turn it on in the playoffs, right? You need to have been consistently doing that, know what it takes to be at that level, and already have been doing it. So when the playoffs come and the pressure's there and the spotlight's there and all the eyes are on you, you're not trying to do something you haven't done already. You already have been there. You have done that. And so I think the Suns deserve massive respect for that because they've been so consistent. And um, you know, their two studs have been in the game, been in haven't missed a game. Um, I think CP actually just got her now, but and that's huge, that's super helpful. Um, but they've missed some time from some other guys and, and and had guys step up. I think ultimately, too, you you just have two really, really good ball handlers right uh cp is just i don't know that we've seen someone in the pick and world. again we go back to basketball mind obviously cp's in great shape for his age but like the mind is what separates him like it is just unbelievable and sometimes it's borderline annoying no not even borderline it's annoying because he'll know how to draw calls he'll he'll it's it's crazy you know like you can tell some guys are hoping like i hope i get a whistle on the CP just knows, like, I'm getting also on this. And if I don't, I'm going to make sure they know that I should. Like, he's, he's damn near a referee on the court. Um, and when you have that and then you player that with a, a guy like Book, who is a, another guy who can run the pick and roll, and another guy you can just face up. So you can never really double, right? Like, it's just really tough to stop both of those guys in a one game. Um and if you do, you're probably gonna be good. But on top of all that, you you just space it with really good shooters around him, then a really good rim roller in Ayton, and you've just got a really good basketball team. Like I McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson are excellent three-point shooters. Jay Crowder is a good, at least a threat from three. Um and then you have a really good rim roller in Ayton. You have the taste of, you know, I think that's the the, the most dangerous spot of them all, is the team that just lost the finals no one on that team. uh crowder has maybe honestly i don't know I-, I don't think anyone on that team's won a final crowder crowder might have crowder might have i think uh, he got to the finals with the heat i don't know if he won one though um regardless you- you've got two absolute maestros with the ball in different ways too right like in different ways, and then you surround them with pure shooters, knockdown shooters, and then really good defenders too. Um, McCall Bridges is literally top three in, in defense of the player of the year. Um, voting, I guess they don't vote right now, but you know on the ladder that the NBA gives out. Um, and he hasn't missed a game either. Uh, and so he, CP's a great defender. Book doesn't get enough credit for his defense. So I'm not discounting the Suns team at all right i think they're dangerous i think they're right there with the warriors but again we beat them twice in phoenix at home uh the one in phoenix was a huge game and i'm not saying that gives us uh, this crazy mental edge but i also think it means like i'm not I, I know if the warriors play at the 95th 90th percentile outcome um for this team which again playoffs i think you you get closer to those because you're playing your best players the most uh, i think we can beat them and to me, the home court thing does scare me a little bit. It does, right? We we would like to have that game seven at home, uh. But we've pl- we've won a couple game sevens on the road before in the past, and I think I, I just I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, it's been a really long time since the Warriors have played meaningful playoff basketball. Um, and I'm not trying to make this about the Warriors again, but I think for me, it really comes down to these two. So that I think that's why we're we're locked in. But it's it's such a it's such a dynamic team they do it on both ends and you've seen it all year they've been amazing in crunch time like i i think they're damn near undefeated in in games decided by whatever in the last five minutes um and that's not that's not luck you know they've done it so many times on the road at home and it just is a team that's locked in so i'm definitely concerned I'm definitely concerned about the Suns. I I think I'd honestly be, I'd say I'd I'd be slightly more concerned about the Suns than the Bucs just because there's almost like a different hunger. You know? Um, I mean, I think just, just the fact that Giannis has missed, I don't know, 11 games. Drew's missed some games. Middleton's missed some games. The Suns have been locked in besides DA. And I'm not, I'm saying that, too, as in, like, Giannis is just straight-up rested. Um, And so I just – it's just this energy around this team where they know they were so damn close to accomplishing their goal that they set out for last year, and they want it just that much more. So uh, I'm definitely concerned about the Suns. I think it will be really good. Um, But I think that if I'm making, like, a tiers, I think the Warriors and the Suns are um, in a similar tier. All right, let's get to those very bucks. Um, obviously, they can do it, you know. Last year, did it against a a tough Phoenix Suns team. Um, I will say I think the the depth of talent this year um, is deeper in both conferences. Um, maybe not the West, but for sure the East. I think the East as a whole is, is much tougher this year. So I think uh, the road and the path this year will be harder. Um, but do I think they're capable of conquering that path for sure for sure um and i think the real reason why is is just yana de um and i don't it, it's kind of funny to me i i kind of i just talked about you know the media but it's i think it, it's almost a, a product of that very thing we're talking about you know the media just wants reactions they want clicks um and so they're going to tend to go to the drama there's no drama with Giannis, you know, he's as consistent as it comes as a, as a person, um, as a player. And I just don't think people are are realizing how, how damn good he is. Um, 55 from the field, 29, 11 and six in 32 minutes a game. They're up to 30% from three, um, I mean, I know he shot thirty last year, but he's shooting it a, a little bit more, and um, he's a, he, may, maybe this isn't a good thing, but he's a, able to take, you know, off the dribble threes now. It's not just catch and shoot. Um, shooting more free throws this year than he ever has. Shooting seventy two percent from the line on a, you know, on eleven a game. I just, and then after you know all that, he's unbelievable on the defensive side of the ball. As a help defender, as an on-ball defender, Um, so I I think just him alone has to give you pretty. You you have to consider them an option in terms of final contenders. Um, I think some people might look, see they're thirty-six and twenty-three, but they're really, you know, they're five and six without Giannis. So with Giannis, they're thirty-one and seventeen. Which is uh, right there with the one and two, win percentage at sixty four. So um, it will be interesting, you know, because if they do end up getting the getting the heat, they are they're going to be on the road. Um, and then if you look at it now, they'd get the Celtics, and then they'd get the winner of the Nets Bulls. Um, that's actually not too bad, but the Celtics are playing tough. Regardless, I, I think you. You have the makeup of this team. You have Giannis, right, who is the head of the snake. And then after – it's just a tough job, bro, because you have shooters around Giannis. You have Drew Holiday, who's an, a great passer uh, and has really turned himself into a reliable scorer. I think there was a time where you really were just like, all right, as long as you keep him out of the paint, you're you're kind of okay with whatever he does. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, he can score from all three levels and consistently. Um, and you can never – play him the way some teams played Eric Bledsoe in the past, right? So just completely different ballgame with him. And then you have Chris Middleton, who's a 50-40 candidate, 50-40-90 candidate every year. And it's not a 50-40-90. standing in the corner. Um, you know, he gets the ball. That's another guy. Face-up game is just crazy. And I'm telling you, a lot of that comes from Kobe. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this team. Um, I wonder, I think Brooke's just going to miss the year. I, I do think he's a bigger deal than most. Um, and I think it's really, really nice to have a guy who can protect the rim, but also be a threat to space the floor. Um, and I think that's exactly why they went and got Serge Ibaka. I think he's almost like a knockoff version of Brooke. I don't think he's quite, like, like there's a difference too. I think Serge is more of a weak side, come and block it at the rim type of guy. Brooke can do that. But he's also just a stand in the paint with his hands straight up and maybe not block, but make the, t- the shot tough um, type of guy. Which is big in the playoffs when, again, the easiest looks come at the rim. So uh, I think that'll hurt a little bit. I think Serge can help. But again, a lot of experience around the, the these three um, and a lot of shooting. And so... Um, I'm not going to say, and again, I'm not going to say this team is not going to be as hungry as the Suns or the Warriors who haven't been there in a while. But I think when you win it, it definitely is harder the second year. One, you have the target on your back. Two, you know, you played later than anybody else. And three, like, uh, I think this is three, it's like two and a half. But like, I, I don't know. I feel like human nature for some people, the fire might fade just a little bit you know like those little things that you were doing throughout the year before you've won one It it's harder to do them again when you already have that satisfaction of, of winning that one and you already got the least amount of rest as as anyone so i'm not necessarily knocking them back but i i just think it's harder to repeat from from what we've seen um but i think they're the clear favorite in the east and i i again for me it's it's sons warriors and bucks all in their own tier Um, and then you can go, you can kind of go from there. Let's go to the next tier. Uh, All right, let's jump into the next tier. But before we do that, I want to make sure that you guys understand, um, this is not a massive difference, right? In tier one, tier two, it's enough that I'm going to make a different tier, but all these teams in tier two still very much have a shot. And I think that's the beautiful part of this year and really the the shift that's kind of taken uh post k d warriors post braun Kyrie um uh, this shit is wide open wide open, and so yes i'm making a separate tier, but no it's not in the past where you've had some real like all right these are the teams and everyone else is kind of just like hoping for a prayer um the, the all these teams got a, a legitimate shot also we'll say before we jump into the the second tier uh this episode and uh, this pod in general is a lot less numbers focused. I got great respect for the numbers. They help for sure. But this is more of a feel what I've watched, what I think about the players, what I think about the coaches ability to get the most out of the group that they have. Um, and I think it's especially prevalent when you're looking at the Sixers and the Nets because you can almost throw the, the numbers out the window uh, because you're going to have two very, very different teams um, from the, the first half. Not, you know, both these teams, in the Sixers' case, they actually only have one different player, but he makes a huge difference. And then with the Nets, uh, you're losing a player that, again, just a, a huge role. Um, so they're going to look different, even if the, the the personnel is not wildly different outside of a couple guys. Let's start with both these two teams. Uh, there's another team I have with them in here, but um, these two teams are just so intertwined in each other. Uh, because of the big trade that they made, and again we talked about it, just a crazy ass trade. I love this league. I feel like no other league you have stars for stars being traded. Even in the NBA, you don't really have stars for stars being traded. So uh, that's what makes this this trade so interesting. Because um, you know you, you have two legitimate stars. One's probably a little bit bigger, um, and we're gonna do our best to, to guess how that's gonna play out the rest of the year and, and pass that. So let's start with uh, let's just start with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, obviously, James Harden comes in last year, in my eyes, probably the, the best trio in terms of talent on the same team ever, literally ever, just in terms of pure talent, right? Um, And again, talent and how good of a basketball team you are are different things. They're related, but they're different things. Um And the, the, the key in all this is James Harden because you – he, he's not a guy that... He, he kind of like Russell Westbrook, is just not a guy that you plug in and you're just like, all right, we're good. Especially when, when you're talking about the top, right, about competing for titles. You can plug him in on a, a bad team and he's going to immediately raise the floor really, really, really well. But how, how do you plug James Harden in on an already title-winning team And get that same level of floor raiser into a ceiling raiser. I didn't say that perfectly, but you know what I mean, right? Uh, Because James Harden, you know, you just talk. Those three come together. All right, title favorite. And and I I eventually was going to get to that point when that happened. Like, hey, this is eventually going to be a team that's just the title favorite, regardless of whatever, because of the talent. But you saw it took a little while. And the first kind of wrinkle in that was okay Kyrie Irving had typically been a very uh he'd been a point guard obviously in Cleveland uh LeBron did a lot of the point guard duties but even with Bron there Kyrie still had the ball in his hands plenty of times way more than he did in Brooklyn with James Harden right so that, that was the first thing um and why why is this important why is this important uh moving forward because Basketball is a little different. In the NFL, it's all quarterback-based, right? It doesn't perfectly... It's a different sport, right, obviously. But everything's run through the quarterback. Uh, as a running back, you know your touches are coming, most likely. As a quarter, as a wide receiver, you know if you beat your guy consistently, the ball's probably coming, as long as you have a decent quarterback. In the MLB, opportunity spread out through everyone. Yeah, the leadoff hitter might get more one more at bat than the eight-hole hitter, but basically... That opportunity is spread out throughout the team. You go one, one, one. Everyone's getting an at bat. NBA is different. NBA is different, right? Because you you can decide who who takes what shots. You can decide. You know, we want this guy to get this many shots. We want that guy to get that many shots. You can decide the usage. And with James Harden, everywhere he's gone, really since Houston, he has had. It. More usage than anyone. And obviously part of that is exaggerated by, you know, the style of offense that Mike D'Antoni chose to run. Not every team, no really other team, runs as much ISO as he did in Houston. And you come to Brooklyn, it was the same thing. That was a, a question. But what did it turn into? James Harden, if he was in the game, had the ball. He had the ball. Even when he had one hamstring, he had the ball. Granted, he was just throwing it to KD in that Bucks series. But my, my point is here, talent, I feel like, in basketball is extremely important. It's extremely important off, uh, across all sports. Um, but you still have to figure out how to utilize that talent in a way that gets the most out of your group. And when I say the most, I say, I mean, in, in terms of just winning basketball games. And so any basketball player will tell you rhythm is everything in this sport. Rhythm is absolutely everything in this sport. And how do you get rhythm? You have the ball in your hands. You know with a clear conscience that you can take shots without getting pulled. It's the reason why when you go hoop with your friends and you know you're a little bit better than all of them, why you go off. And why when you go hoop with better people and are... uh, getting let, let, let's let say you getting wide open looks with better people they're just wide open spot up, spot up jumpers and you're bricking them but when you go play with other friends obviously the competition's different but even if you're getting wide open shots in uh in a run against good people better players and you're missing them and you're making tougher shots against worse players it's all a mental rhythm thing It's because you're in a better rhythm And why are you in a better rhythm? Because you're touching the ball more You know you have the freedom to take shots And it's, it, it applies to the NBA Obviously these guys are all way more talented And obviously some guys can still go 10 possessions without touching the ball And then go get a bucket the next time But it's a rhythm thing Especially with a guy like James Harden Who's breaking down defenders, right? It's not just attacking closeouts or wide open jumpers It's breaking down defenders now, with the way James Harden plays, does he does that lead to a lot of good looks for rim runners and a lot of good looks for spot up shooters? Yes, for sure. And is that valuable? Yes, for sure. But does it make other co stars like Kyrie and Kevin Durant better? Does it make does he being there doing what he does, does he make it easier for Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant? I don't know. I really I, – I don't know. <laughs> and then you put, you put on the top of that that, you know, he's not a great on-ball defender. He's actually a decent post defender, but is he a great on-ball defender? No. Right? So on the Brooklyn Nets side, I think the trade makes a lot of sense. I do. Because, one, you've got a much better – well, what has been one of their biggest issues? Their defense. Um, obviously, injuries were a big part of – they might have been able to overcome everything. Um, defensively with how good their offense was. But overall, what was it? It was defense. Um, and so you you immediately plug a premier defender in, um, a guy who can switch. Literally, he can switch one through five. He's an absolute hound on ball. And on top of that, his greatest attribute on offense is his passing. He's a really good passer. And when you when you combine passing ability with height and size – it's a really dangerous combo because, one, you can see over everyone. Two, you can make certain. That's what makes Yoke and Braun such great passers is their passing ability, but also their size that allows them to make certain passes that others just certainly can't make, and their size, which allows them to see over the floor. So I think you're getting a a damn near a perfect fit with Kyrie and, and, and Katie as a guy who can defend everyone, a guy who can create, but not a. he's not a he creates in different ways than James Harden, right? He creates in transition, getting guys feeling good. He creates in the half court as a as a passer, not dribbling it for 13 seconds before he gets into it. But quicker, downhill decisions. If he's not downhill, boom, Kyrie or KD can take it. So you combine that with Kyrie, Katie, and then I don't think people talk about it enough. What's one of the skill? What is the most sought-after skill? What is making guys like Duncan Robinson almost $20 million a year shooting? They've got three premier shooters in Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry. So I think that from a basketball standpoint, this trade makes a lot of sense for the Nets. Um, it sounded like, and we've talked about it on different podcasts and we talk about it more another day. It's just, I don't know. I'd really be curious to know if this breakdown was more James Harden saying, Kyrie won't get the vax, so I'm out. Or if it was more Kyrie and Katie didn't like the way that the Nets were going about their offense when James Harden was there, and Harden sensed that. I don't know. I really struggle with the idea that, Harden knowing Katie way or sorry knowing Kyrie way before he came to Brooklyn. This wasn't like his first exposure to Kyrie. They played on Team USA together. Um, these guys hang in the same circles, and, and I'm not even saying they have to be best friends. But he knew who Kyrie was, and we talk about it with the media thing. Like at the end of the day, like if someone has a strong belief in something, we live in a we live in a world now where everyone will change their beliefs in real life just to fit in just to make sure you're not you know being made fun of Kyrie has been who he is forever and so I feel like if they have a friendship well Harden might not agree like I just struggle with the fact that Harden had would have no idea that something like this would come up and that something this I'm not going to call it small but something like that would just be like all right I'm out as if he didn't know right I I, f- I really feel like more of this, more of more of this is is really the style of play and Harden realizing that hey, I don't know why he didn't realize this before, but hey, I'm not the best fit with these guys. We don't get the best KD and the best Kyrie consistently with me here. And so back to the Nets side, I think it makes a lot of sense for them now. Why do I have them in this tier? Because I just I, again we go back to. The regular season matters. You build habits. You don't just cruise and then hope you can d- get to another gear in the playoffs. You have already gotten to that gear in the regular season. So when the playoffs come, you know where you have to be. And I just think it's a really tough task with Kyrie only playing road games. Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in damn near a year. Kevin Durant's knees hurt again. Um, and I just think it's going to be a tough task to get all those things synced up. Ben Simmons playing his bas- best basketball, Kyrie playing home games, Kevin Durant fully healthy, not thinking about his knee, all before the the playoffs get here. I think you got teams with a lot more stability than the Brooklyn Nets, and that's why I, why I have them here in this tier. Now, are they still completely dangerous? Yes. If Kyrie can figure out a way to play home games – and KD's healthy, and Simmons is back playing b- basketball the way he is. This, there's no reason this team can't be in the thick of it, right? Because you have three snipers surrounding those three guys. It's dangerous. It's just dangerous. And then you've got uh, what should be a much more improved D with Ben Simmons. But you got to be doing it for the year for me to feel confident. Um, and they've been just so up and down. N- not even including that they're – look, they can, they're can they eighth right now. They can move up for sure, especially if they get healthy quick. Uh, but they're not gonna be the one seed, they're not gonna be the two seed. Um, so you're most likely looking at no not a single not a single series with home court advantage, which I think matters. I think matters. And you go to the Philly side. So that's where I'm at with the Nets. If they if they have this team from training camp from the start, it'd be a different story. But they uh Katie has one knee. Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in a year. Kyrie Irving can't play. (laughs) It's actually funny. It's really funny when using like, Can't play home games. Um, So for now, we got to keep him in this tier. But the talent alone keeps him in this tier. Let's get to the team that they made the trade with James Harden. And we've talked a lot about him. um, And for good reason. And it's, again, we're right back at this question of James Harden. Insanely talented individual. Had some great battles with the Warriors. um, And he's so, so good. When he's the guy and clearly is the guy. There's no one else there. Um, and that wasn't the case in Brooklyn. And you have to think, right? When James Harden makes this decision to leave, does he think, oh, we're not good enough? No. I don't think that's why he makes this decision. Because they're clearly good enough. They were broken down, beat, he had one hamstring, Kyrie didn't play, and they were still a toe away from going to the finals. And who knows what happens there? But regardless. Kyrie hurt, James Harden, one hamstring, a toe away from the finals. I think the reason he left was the way, I think probably, again, the pushback. Again, they kept it internal, but the pushback that there must have been the resistance there must have been from Kyrie and KD. KD. Surrounded, surrounding the idea that James Harden needs to have the ball, top of the key, every possession, regardless of what's going on in the game. Now you go to Philly. We go back to the whole rhythm thing. There's a reason why Joel is having this year. Obviously, Joel Embiid is an amazing basketball player. But when you go in, and I've watched almost every Joel Embiid game this year, when you go into each game, when well, the Sixers have gone into each game, Joel Embiid knows the offense runs through him. Right There might be possessions here and there. Okay, cool. Cool. Tobias Harris post up. Cool. Other than that, the offense is running through Joel Embiid. Whether it's him posting up, whether it's him facing up, whether it's him doing a dribble handoff at the top of the key, it runs through Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid doesn't run the pick and roll. When has James Harden done anything other than run the pick and roll? That's a big problem with James Harden too. Amazing on ball, but what do you get off ball? What is off-ball James Harden? He's not proven to be an off-ball sniper. What has he proven to do when he's off-ball? He he's proven he stands there. He literally stands there. There's no movement. It's stand, shoot it if I'm wide open. He's just not someone who's ever successfully played off-ball. And it's a lot of work. You have to run around. You have to manipulate screens. You can't just stand or it's really easy to defend. And so my question, again... Talent is super important Super, super important But it's not everything in the NBA It's just not everything the way it is in the MLB And again, NFL doesn't really compare Because it's so so much of it is based on your quarterback But to me, you can't think of It might sound extreme, but you can't think of too many worse fits To me, in my eyes Joel Embiid and, and James Harden on a basketball court Is not a great fit, stylistically You just take the two the, the, the two ways that they play, and it's opposites. You know, right now this year, J- Joel Embiid's played in a system where you have Furkan Korkmaz, Seth Curry, Georges Niang, just snipers posted up around him. So if they double, they see two, you kick. I don't know how that works with James Harden. I don't know how you get the best of both these guys in an offense. One way you think you go about it is you stagger the minutes, right? They both start, but when one's in the bench, the other one's in, and the offense goes through them, and that's a good start. But when the games are closing, what does James Harden like to do? Isolate at the top of the key. Joel Embiid has never been a pick and roller. He's just not. He's so big. You run the pick and roll with bigs who aren't going to. Clint Capello is never going to go get post up buckets. Nick Clarkson was never going to go get post-up buckets, So how do you get him involved in the pick-and-roll? And that's great for them. But Joe MB doesn't need the pick-and-roll to get the ball in a dangerous position. He touches the ball on the wing, and he's in a dangerous position. On top of that, now, now you're not, again, not even a, a whole offseason to integrate this. This is on-the-fly season. Here we go. Hope we can do it. And, and, and on one hand, you th- you know, you Sixers looking good, fourth, fifth in the East without James Harden now you're basically swapping Seth Curry and Drummond for James Harden which you think is an upgrade which it is talent wise but how is that going to work and i i can't help but be a little uh speculative about if that's going to work because again two guys that just do and operate in completely different ways completely different ways now i would think most again i would think you know In this situation Would point towards Joel being the guy He's been here for however many years He's done this They've been successful with him In this role James Harden's coming along And I think it should be James Harden's responsibility To fit in with Joel But has he done that anywhere? No, he hasn't So you'd be asking James Harden To do something he's never done And on top of that Like I will say they have the talent to like even if they're not optimizing both to still be in the picture but it's uh, to me we've we've seen this so many times talent doesn't overcome fit it does to an extent but only one out of 30 teams wins it all and usually the team that wins it all gets the most out of the group rather you're gonna win it all but not perform at your best and it's it's gonna be a challenge i think in in philly now again both tier two both right outside but i think they both definitely have their issues to work out and again we talked about the regular season and building up both these teams just have a shorter amount of time to do that um and is joel gonna be able to eat the same way he does when james harden's there right there's just when you're playing with someone new, who you know is an all-star, who you know has been there, done that, you want to get them involved, but you also want to get yours, and it's a it's a feeling out process. It's not something that just goes super easy. I think I think what Steph Curry and the Warriors did with KD kind of ruined, like kind of changed the perception for some people because they did it so easily, they did it so seamlessly, and I know people would just be like, it's Steph Curry, Clay, and KD, but I mean, we've seen. Plenty of other iterations of really insane, talented individuals come together and not be able to get the most out of the group. And really what that comes down to egos, Joel Embiid and, and <laughs> James Hart and Ari, I'm not going to call them. I, I don't know. I, I don't think of either of those two guys as selfless basketball players. I don't. I just don't. So we'll see. They're just outside the outside for me. The talent is great. But... I also think you just need smart, versatile defenders and shooters around them, and they don't necessarily have that. They have Matisse, which is awesome. But they don't have a backup big either right now. I, I don't know. I, I just have a lot more questions with the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm not sure how this thing is going to work out with James Harden and Joel my guess. Staggered minutes, both eating usage and the minutes are off, and then when the game gets close, we will see. We definitely will see. For me, Sixers, it's like a less is more thing. It's a less is more thing. Again, I get why you want to pair of two superstars to get the most top-end talent. I do. Uh, but I really, I do have my concerns about how that fit works. You really get two guys who couldn't fit worse, honestly. But they're both really, really good at basketball. So that alone gives you some hope. I get it from Daryl Morey's end. James Harden has never really let him down. I mean, yes, he never got it to the finals, but you understand the context as to why. So I get bringing him in. I do. But it it's not a great fit. It's not a great basketball fit. Is it something that could 100% be worked out because of the talent level? Yes. Is that going to take a, wor- a lot of work? Yes. Can they do it on the fly? I don't know. I don't know. And that's why I have him in the second tier. Joel and James Harden together automatically, talent-wise, makes them in this tier. But do they have a lot of basketball things to work out? Yes. And is Doc Rivers the best guy for that? Nah, I don't know. Nah, I really don't know. Um, so, yeah, they, I got them in tier two. Uh, best case scenario, they're right there. Worst case scenario, uh, they don't get really the mo- most out of this group. Uh, there is another team in this tier. It is the Miami Heat. And they are the opposite of the in, and the Heat in that, um, yeah, they got some stars. They do, Bam and and Jimmy Butler. Um, But they're more of just a team that, you know, not a ton of top-end fireworks. Their best players aren't even score-first guys in Bam and Jimmy, but they're really – they've got a great culture. They've got a great coach, and they've gotten a lot of development, um, and they've got a lot of depth around these guys. So I think the biggest thing you see last year was a tough year, and I think for me I attribute it to the bubble. Um, again, they were in there grinding, had a two and a half month turnaround when some of these teams didn 't even go to the bubble. Some of these teams had fourteen fifteen months off before they started playing again, and the the heat were grinding in the bubble now this team is also still way better than that team uh Tyler Heroes way better than he was. I know he had some cool moments, some great shots in the bubble, but he's much better as a basketball player overall uh, than he was then. Jimmy Butler and Bam are better in my eyes. And then you've got Kyle Lowry, um who is just a winner. He's done it every year, every time he's been with any team, he makes them better. Doesn't have to score, doesn't have to do any one thing on any given night. He's just going to make you better. He's like the he's like Chris Paul's little brother in my eyes to me where he's not quite the the scorer and Uh, orchestrator that Chris Paul is, but does so many similar things where great leader, great intangible guy, great uh, help you be the best version of the team that you can be type of guy, no bullshit type of guy, great defender, makes the right play. He's gonna help you win basketball games. Now, do they have the top end talent? I don't know. But They've been there. They've been doing it all year. They've dealt with injuries just like everyone has. Bam's missed consistent time, right? He he literally was out for months. Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup all year. Kyle Lowry has missed plenty of time. Tyler has missed some time, and they're still first in the East, and that has to count for something. Again, playoff basketball is different, but you have to build up throughout the season. You can't just be whatever during the season and then hope it clicks. And Miami is a perfect example of just building good habits throughout the season. So I have to put them here. I do. Um, and I think, you know, if you're just looking ahead, they, PJ Tucker was a great addition. let um, talk about just a winning basketball player. You go same vibes as Kyle Lowry, just within a different role. Um, perfect guy next to Harden in Houston, plays really good defense on whoever it is you might need on ball, off ball, and then just if he's in the corner and he's wide open, you think it's going in. Um, and that's that's the perfect winning type of basketball player. Not a shocker. That's why all those teams have wanted him. It's why the Bucks wanted him last year. He was huge, honestly, in them getting a title. Um, and he brings all that experience to Miami, which I think is super helpful. So you just get a really solid team, a team that makes winning basketball plays, a team that is unselfish with really very little drama. They've been good all year. And so you got to respect them and put them put them in this tier. Um, for me, again, if if the Bucs, Suns, Warriors are clicking, I think they handle the heat. Um, but they're right there. They're right there with a break or two from just being right in the conversation. Um, and I have them with the Sixers and the Nets, even though they probably don't have, they de- they definitely don't have the top end scoring talent. Um, but they, they're just a really complete basketball team. And I think uh, you, you'd be foolish. To, to count them out i, I really do and, and there's nothing like jimmy playoff jimmy butler the guys just get so locked in and, and I, I i think he's really great to watch because i don't think he gets a lot of credit offensively because he doesn't have this crazy bag um he's not a great shooter but what he is is a super smart player and he just shows you the power of the brain in this sport where he's so and his body control is so good so he's just a master at picking up fouls um and driving in ways where you almost have to foul him to contest his shot. If you're anywhere near him, he's a master at subtly moving his body, his arms, in ways that, that draw contact. Um, and that's really important when the game slows and grinds down uh, a guy that's able to get to the line like that. On top of that, great team defense there in Miami. Um, and, and for me, that rounds out that second tier. So I got the Warriors, Bucks, Suns. And then in that, that tier, slightly below them, Net Sixers and Heat. Um, and the East is just going to be so fun this year. It's going to be super, I think all four first round games, including, and then on top of that, the playing games are going to be super competitive games. Um, and that's something we haven't seen in a while from the East. Usually who have one or two series in the first round where you're just like, all right, that's cake. And you know, one through one versus eight this year. I mean, you might get like the heat and the nets like that. That'll just be must watch TV. So um, for me, I, I got this Heat team up there, and um, you do have some concerns about you know the, the scoring down the stretch, but I've seen enough from Jimmy Butler and, and know that there's – again, they, they've got some snipers there too. Everyone that's come in this year has helped this Heat, heat team. Gabe and got better. Omar Yurtsevin got better. Max Struess got better. Dwayne Dedman came in and was actually really productive for this Heat team. So they just got a good vibe going on, um, and I don't want to count them out. All right, let me get to the next tier where I think – Look, I, I, I struggled with making it Tier 3, Tier 4, but I'm honestly going to put the rest of the teams in this Tier 3, which is the very good basketball team, but probably not enough to win a title tier. We got a bunch of teams in this tier. I'll go through them in the East. Uh, we got the Bulls. We got the Cavaliers. We got the Boston Celtics. You can throw Toronto in there if you're feeling crazy. In the West, you got Memphis, Utah, Dallas, Denver. The very good basketball teams. There's some caveats in there with a couple of them. Let's start with the Chicago Bulls. Um, Look, all together, just a great year so far. 38-21. and I sat up here like an idiot before the season, and I said, hey, I'm not ready to – you know, everyone was getting hard over the, the Bulls, excited. I said, hey, I'm not ready, guys. I'm not ready. I hadn't seen DeMar, even in San Antonio, you know, budding star and DeJounte, DeMar and DeJounte, they were a playing team. I looked here, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. Zach Levine had never been in the playoffs. That Bulls team that traded for Vuc couldn't make the play in in the in the weak east. Vucevic, you know, when he was at his best, the Magic were the seventh seed. Lonzo Ball, New Orleans, playing. I just didn't know how it was all going to fit, mix. I didn't. I felt like you had a bunch of guys who had yet to really win when it matters and a lot of talent. But it went to my... I was wrong. I was just saying I was wrong. They've been way better than I thought they were going to be. They're sitting here, 38-21, and, and it's not like it's been an easy road, right? You know, I would at least have had an out. If they had been super healthy, and we're sitting here for a time with you, all right, well, they didn't have any injuries or nothing to deal with, but they have. Patty Williams goes down before the season starts. Alonzo Ball has a knee thing. Alex Caruso has a knee thing. Zach Levine has a knee thing. or I think Alex Caruso actually has a wrist thing now. But um, all that to be said, a, a lot has gone wrong in terms of the injuries and the health. And they're still sitting here 38-21. So they they deserve a ton of credit. You've seen it, really. Second half of the first half. It's really DeMar Vooch, Kobe White, and some borderline NBA players in there. And they're grinding shit out. They deserve respect. There's a new energy in Chicago. All that being said, I don't have them as a true contender. They could get in the mix. You could make an argument if they're all healthy. They could be in Tier 2. But for me... They're dealing with some health issues. I don't not look. Caruso will be back fine, but Zach Levine has repeatedly said his knee's bothered him. He's taking time off, come back, taking more time off. It's flared up. That's not a good sign. Now, it remains to be seen. Maybe you just pull Alonzo, sit the rest of the season, wait till the end, to, wait till the playoffs, and come back. But I also think that has its downfalls as well. Even though it does probably give them the best chance to have a healthy knee, and you need a healthy knee. But for me, the biggest thing is uh just back to the experience. You know, they're gonna be playing some teams that have a lot more experience when it matters than they are. They do. The Bucks have more experience, the Sixers, low-key have more experience, the Nets have more experience, the Heat have more experience when it matters most. So for me, that's the biggest thing with them is one, the defense. Right, obviously they're they're with a lot a lot of their best. They're without their three best defenders right now, Caruso, Lonzo, and Patty Williams. But it is just it's again back to one of those things. You need time to get it popping in the regular season. You need to have done it, and they probably aren't going to have time enough to do that. So for me, just slightly out of the the, the second tier, uh, it'd be cool. Uh, don't get me wrong, it'd be cool. But then you also you very good chance they're going to see Brooklyn or Toronto or Boston. None of those three are easy games. So that's where I'm at. Good team, very good team. Deserve their respect. I was dead wrong on them coming into the year, but it's a different ballgame in the playoffs. Similar with similar thing with Cleveland, right? Great regular season basketball team. It's been awesome to see the growth of this team internally. But playoffs are a whole different beast. You're going to your number one option is 21. Your number one option hasn't sniffed competitive playoff basketball. And do I think Dam- Darius Garland is an absolute killer? Yes. Do I think he's gonna play really well? Yes. It's still different. Jared Allen, one season uh, of playoff basketball with the Brooklyn Nets in the bubble. I think Evan Mobley, rookie. Rajon Rondo, cool. Karis LeVert, woof. One season with Brooklyn. Laurie Markkinen. Nothing with the Bulls. Nothing. So it's just a lot, a lot of talent. But you got a lot you're trying to make up for in experience. A lot. Um, That's why I have them there. Boston, though. Boston's the the, the little wild card to me. Um, Because they have the experience. JT, JB, they've been... To the Eastern Conference Finals, they've been to playoffs. They've been in tough series. They've done that, and everyone loves to shit on them. It's like people's favorite thing. Oh, fun young duo that just for whatever reason as a as a team has just underachieved lately. Let's just shit on them. That's what they like to do. But I mean, man, is there a duo, a wing duo in this league that is more talented? Probably Levine and Demar. Sure. But it doesn't get much better than Jason Brown or Jason, Jalen Tatum, (laughs) Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It doesn't get much more fun than that. And if you have those two, you've got a shot. I like what Brad Stevens did in the offseason or in in the trade deadline in the offseason. We said we're just going to put versatile, versatile defenders who can handle the ball and, and score and shoot around these guys. Derek White. Al Horford. I know he he can't really handle the ball, but he's very versatile defensively. He's versatile enough offensively. He can shoot. Bring in Daniel Tice again, you know. Um, Dennis Schroeder, not a versatile defender. Derek White, a versatile defender. Dennis Schroeder, not a great mover of the basketball. Derek White, much better mover of the basketball. I think this team could be sneaky. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to um, – go win at all but i get some sneaky atlanta hawks from last year vibes with this with this boston celtic team where it is where it's here here are the the similarities team that's a really talented really talented underachieves for a good part of the first year they didn't get a new coach but they kind of clicked and then they got hot the atlanta hawks they got a new coach they were they were bad got a new coach it clicked the defense was great The offense came in right behind it, and the next thing you know, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Granted, it's a much better Eastern Conference than it was last year, but overall, I think it's pretty similar in terms of great young talent in Boston. The defense has turned up. The defense has been fantastic lately. Unbelievable. Young stars, young coach. If Boston keeps playing like this, and I can't even really explain it, They're just, it's all defensive-based. And defense is so important, not just because you're stopping the other team from scoring, but when you get a stop, that means that their defense isn't set, right? You get a stop and then the rebound, you're coming at a non-set defense. You don't get a stop, you're coming at a set defense. And I think that's really helped unlock their team. Because if you're just getting consistent stops, that means you're consistently getting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in positions downhill. And if they keep playing with this defense, they can be sneaky. They can be sneaky. Now, I'm not going to put them in the Tier 2, but I'll tell you right now, if they continue to play like this, we do this right before the playoffs, they're very much going to be on the radar. But again, consistency, huge thing with young teams, huge thing with the Celtics. You've seen it. When they play their best, they can beat anyone. When they don't, they can lose to anyone. So it's just going to come down to Ime and his ability to get his group ready on any given night. They're... In the mix, in the tier three, in the West, you got uh, a couple teams. Um, you've got Memphis, Memphis is almost like the, the Cavs of the West. Um, a little bit more history, right? They at least made the playoffs last year as they seed, knocked my Warriors out. They just got some dogs, they all play the right way. They're fearless. They're a team that I could see definitely winning round one, round two, but I don't see them in the mix for a title. I just don't. I think they're, they're a year or two away. They need some experience. They need some late round battles. Um, and and I mean, you just look at it. They're going to have a tough schedule. You get probably Dallas first round. And you get Phoenix. And then you go get the winner of probably Warriors Denver. Warriors, you know, Minnesota. So, for me, no, they're not, they're not going to give. It. If they stay through, they actually get the Warriors the second round. So, you're you're gonna have to go through Utah, Golden State, Phoenix as a four seed, or as a three seed. Shit, I'm tripping. to play Denver, but you're gonna have to go through Denver, Golden State, Phoenix. That's not an easy road. And then you got the Eastern Conference team. I just think they're young. I know, I know. I'm saying it with a lot of these teams, but I think it matters. I really. I, we've seen it matters. We have not seen a young team just able to roll their way through. The Bucks took their lumps. The Warriors took their lumps. I think the last team we've seen, the Raptors beat the Warriors when KD went down. But even then, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell, Fred VanVleet. There are some older guys there. I, I just think Memphis is a little too young. You, you go down the line, Utah, I loved what they did last year. But last year's playoff run was really disappointing. Because to me, it felt like after the regular season last year, hey, okay, this team has turned a corner. We need to take them seriously. And then they came, had a great opportunity with a home court advantage to beat the L.A. Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and couldn't do it. And I'm not, look, I'm not here to say, all right, that is just now the decider. They can't ever be good again. But come on. Come on, man. You finally have a shot. You get a team that you get home court advantage against in a series without their best player you got to go seize that moment. And I'm not saying because of that they can't this year, but they've been much worse this year. They just have. It's really basically the same team, but now you're down Joe Ingles. You've str- I mean, you struggled a lot more this season. And, again, I, I really do think consistency, being there, doing that during the regular season leads to confidence in the, in the postseason, and they don't have that even this year. So, for me, I don't know how I'm going to put this team that's playing worse than they were last year. And loss to the Clippers without their best player last year. I don't know how they can suddenly leapfrog these teams. I just don't see it. They're a good team. I've got respect for them. I've got respect for Quinn Snyder. And if Donovan Mitchell and his cast and Rudy O'Bear are playing well, they can beat anyone. I just struggle to see it this year with the season they've had thus far. Um and and, and low-key, Rudy dealing with some nagging injuries. The the Dallas Mavericks, this is a team that gets left on a lot. They're almost like the Celtics to me in that people are kind of ruling them out. I guess I am too because they're in Tier 3. But don't sleep on this team too hard, guys, or they might wake you up. I could see if you told me the Mavs went to the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. Now, am I gonna, again, I'm not going to put them in Tier 2. It's not it's not a crazy It would not shock me at all to see this Mavs team in the Western Conference Finals. And why? It's because their defense. It's crazy. How they how they've kind of transformed. It really is Luca and all his role players now. It's truly KP, they they ditch the sidekick thing. It's just like, alright, get Luca a bunch of role players. And they're playing really well. Jason Kidd deserves ultimate respect. Really great defense. I don't know how much of the defense he architect architected archi- I don't know the word, but you know what I'm saying. I don't know how how responsible for the L.A. defense in the championship year he was responsible, how much of it he was responsible for and how much Frank Vogel was responsible. But he played a part, and you're seeing it. Dallas, one of the best defenses in the league. Um, Been super hot lately. Been able to grind out games, not just out-shoot games, right? A couple years ago, Luca burst on the scene, Rick Carlisle. Best offense we'd ever seen in terms of net rating per 100 possessions. But I couldn't stop anyone. Now it's different. Now it's different. They're scoring. You see, you go down the line. We don't got a lot of scorers in Dallas, especially Tim Hardaway going there. We're going down the line. Jalen Brunson, cool, good score for sure. Who's your next best score? Dorian Finney Smith. That I, I'm serious. I don't know Dorian Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie. But I'm not even. I'm all I'm here to say is it. This is a defensive minded team. And when you have Luca at the helm, it's kind of like the Trey Young effect. When you have either of those two guys as your point guard, you just stick average players around them. You're going to have a good offense. So they focus more on defense, which is huge. They're getting stops. They've got the, – I've seen them go – I saw them against Philly. Philly came in first half, kind of dominated. Joel Embiid was getting whatever he wanted. They switched to this matchup zone look, which completely stifled the Sixers. Sixers scored, like, 30 points in the half. So they've they, – they just they they've done a great job against Steph all year. I just think this Mavs. I think the Mavs and the Celtics get a little bit slept on, and they both are showing some Hawks like tendencies, where you start slow, you finish strong, and it, it's about cooking when it matters. My good friend Chuck once told me, it's about cooking when it matters. Right, you got 82 games. You want to pace yourself. You don't want you don't want to pull the Wizards, right? You're go. Oh, Wizards were first in the East if you didn't know. Uh, one month into the season, but you know what, that's not good for anything, because now the Wizards are not even in the playoffs situation, Um, and all that to be said, cook when it matters, the Mavs are definitely cooking when it matters, don't be, don't be surprised, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat, if they fucking go beat the Phoenix Sun, I wouldn't, I would Feel they got this feel about them, and it's the defense. And I'm telling you, it's the defense. They're gonna give some teams some problems. Uh, last couple teams in the West, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, really, one other team in the West is the Denver, Denver Nuggets. I, I don't think you can ever count out a Nikola Jokic team. We've seen it. They beat the Clippers because of Nikola Jokic when they were clearly out. Man, they almost beat the Lakers. The Lakers beat them, but uh, it really comes down to Jamal Murray. <laughs> When he gets back, I think he's supposed to come back before the season ends. But you just never know with the ACL. I think he'll be fine long term. I don't know that he'll be able to come back and really, truly impact the game the way he did before. No MPJ. So for me, man, love Nicola Jokic. Love everything about that man. And the Nuggets are going to absolutely be a problem in the next couple of years. They're going to be a title contender next year. But this year, I think it'll be tough. But I, I'm putting them in this tier three, especially because if Jamal Murray comes back, Jamal, then you you got a nice little Jamal Murray, Monty Morris, Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton thing going on. And um, crazier shit has happened. Crazier shit has happened. So for me, guys, tier one, Suns, Bucks, Warriors. Tier two, Heat, Sixers, Nets, tier three, everyone else. We're keeping it simple. I could have made a a fourth tier and really grinded it out who's a third who's a fourth end of the day they're not up there so that's where I'm at. But I do I do think the Celtics, the Mavs, you gotta watch out for those two teams. And I don't think you're gonna hear many people talking about it. But both those teams playing really good basketball right now. Really good basketball. And again a lot of this is injuries. But uh hey appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope this was fun hope this was helpful we'll be doing plenty more solo ones we'll also get the friends in here too but um sometimes i just want to just talk out loud off the dome and then seem like a good opportunity to do that i hope you all are doing well thank you for listening support really means everything go ahead and like subscribe wherever you get your podcast we'll be back with some more soon peace guys